In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. And we're back! Yes. We're back! Uh, welcome to Comic Exposure. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast partner in crime is... Travis Rats. Travis, this is Comic Exposure. I know you know that, because you're on this show. Yeah. But for those who don't know, if this is your first show, uh, on Comic Exposure, we often, at times, at times, we, uh, we go ahead and we read graphic novels or trades, uh, comic books, and we bring people in to talk about them, and you are lucky enough to have one of those episodes in front of you right now. Before your very ears, right? It's been a while since we've done one with a guest. It is. It has it been a while. Like it's been a while. It ha- well, yeah, because we did we did the comic book shop. We did Phoenix Comic Con. We did the saga, saga without a guest, and, and then we did a variant before yeah. that. So it's been since it's been fade about out. It's been like yeah, it's been since fade since, out. Since fade out. Yeah. So we have a guest today uh, for the book we're going to read is Persepolis uh, by Marjane Satrapi. Uh, it's an autobiography about her life in the Iranian Revolution. Uh, and all that stuff. So, Travis, you want to introduce it's our good, guest? It's a real light read. It is a this real is, light this, read. This is, we're going to keep it fun. <laughs> we're going to keep it light. The guest today is my mother. Oh. Yeah. Linda Mendenhall. Yeah. She did not take the rat's name. I don't, I don't <laughs> blame That's her. First question. Uh, why did you not take uh, the last name Rats? Well, first of all, it is Rats. And it's a rather unusual uh, last name. And when I did go by it, that name socially, people would laugh at me. So Really? Yeah. But actually, it was because I was working for the Department of Defense. Your dad and I were married overseas. Uh, I was hired from the United States, so I had all of the, the benefits. And uh, we were afraid that when we got, got married, they would put me by mistake on his orders, and then I would lose uh, privileges, uh, trips home in the summer and housing allowance and that kind of thing. So uh, because it had happened to other people, I decided to keep my own name and protect my perks. So in order to screw over the government, your mom did not take the last no, name No, in order that the government did not screw me. Oh, there we go, there we there go. There you go. I wish, I wish you weren't such a conformist. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, um, and mom, we before we start talking about the trade, every week we ask uh, the guests to... Um, uh, talk a little bit about their exposure to comic books. I've actually never asked you this question um, before. Nobody ever has. No one actually, has. Oh, this no. is good. We're crossing so many we things are. off your bucket list. Uh, podcast, check. Comic book, check. Um, let's see. What else can we throw in here? Um, so, wh- Sitting on lawn furniture in the middle of a living room. Yeah. Check. check. There you oh, go. There you go. Done <laughs> uh, we're not bourgeois here, Josh. Um, so what... Up until today, I, I, have you had any experience with comic books or read a comic book? Or what have your experience been with comic books or comic strips in the past? I have very rarely uh, read a comic book. I think I maybe have had a Superman one when I was younger. But that was about it. Right. Uh, so that's been quite a while Well, ago. you grew up with two uh, brothers, an older brother and younger brother. So mm-hmm. were, they, were they ever around the house? The farmhouse. Uh, she grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm. I don't really remember <laughs> comic books around there. Yeah. I really don't. It was a luxury you couldn't afford. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we don't have time yeah. for these Supermans. Maybe uh, maybe Don, my brother, will me- remember differently, but I, I really don't remember having did, comic books around. But the kids, like, at, at school, I mean, you were going to school, let's see, you were 
a teenager in 1950s. Um, so did you have, like, were kids bringing in the school or elementary school? Did the kids, were the kids, like, I imagine kids running around with comic books twisted up in their back pockets, like, playing jacks. And, like, <laughs> that's the 19, know, that is the 1950s. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. basically it. That Re- didn't happen. No, it didn't? No, not, not in Conrad, Iowa, in elementary no, okay. school. <laughs> no, my exposure to comics has been uh, pretty much that Superman comic yeah. book. And this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, we, what, let me ask you a question, and another question. Let me ask you a second question, Mother. <laughs> um, you saw me uh, growing up reading comics, um, so and you, pro- you probably bought my entire collection right. of comics when I was a kid. <laughs> but I never read them. Uh, but you never read them. When I'm reading them, obviously you're, you're, you're uh, uh, a retired English teacher, um, and I was reading comic books. What, what was your... I mean, you, if I said, hey, can you pick up these comics, you, you grab them for me, like, what was your idea of comics? Were you just happy I was reading, or? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. That, you know, at least you were reading, and so I didn't figure it really mattered too much, as long as it was, uh, you know. Words. <laughs> not off color. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know what you were reading, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was there a lot of stuff years. under the bed. There was preacher years. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, uh, that's a good segue into this is your probably your your first full length comic. This is what we call a trade. I don't even know if this is a graphic novel. This is a graphic, graphic novel, novel. Yeah. yeah, is what she calls it as. Mm-hmm. So it's not a collection of of mini issues. It was written as one piece. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Initial opinions. Well, when you first told me that um, you were going to give me this comic book about Iran, it was a very uh, interesting concept I thought and so I was kind of anxious to, to find out what that would be like because it just didn't seem like comic and Iran was you know that they meshed too well so, yeah. so yeah. it was interesting I thought it would be interesting to read it I thought I'd have a little more time to really digest it well, but uh, you know overnight <laughs> good enough uh, um, do you have any questions Josh? I would... um, not until we probably get into it just offhand. Um, we, we picked this well, one I wanted to get you on it because we thought it'd be fun to have uh, uh, one of our mothers on the show uh, because truly someone who has not been exposed to comics. The other thing is that you you lived in this region of the world um, and not too distant from a time when the events in the story are going on. When did you um, when were you in the Middle East? What years? Uh, I was in Kuwait in uh, 1969, 1970. Mm-hmm. And so I traveled to Iran three different times. I remember one time was at Christmas time. And uh, we got up one morning, we were walking down the streets of Tehran, and there was no red and green around. You know, it was obviously <laughs> <laughs> not, not a holiday there, a big holiday there. And, um, um, of course, you know, growing up in uh, the cornfields of Iowa, you know, coming to Iran was a very interesting experience. And so mm-hmm. everything was just like, wow. Um, that was 45 years ago, though. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that I have forgotten. But, <laughs> right. uh, but uh, I do remember uh, seeing the women walking around with the head covers. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't veiled at that time. That was before the Islamic Revolution. Yeah, that, was, so. that would have been when the Shah was in power. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, the opening yeah. of this, these uh-huh. pages, kind of. Yeah. And we did go to uh, Persepolis. And that was really awesome. I can remember um, standing there looking at those ruins and, uh, you know, thinking this is, I guess it was uh, Darius the Great that was that first established that as the, the Persian capital. Mm-hmm. And then um, later on, um, Alexander the Great uh, 
came in and destroyed a lot of, of that uh, capital. But I remember standing there at the top and looking at the ruins and thinking, wow, I'm, oh, I'm standing there. where Alexander the Great and his <laughs> troops were. I'm glad, it was you, really I'm awesome. glad you call it Persepolis. I keep calling it Persepolis. Yeah, I think I call it Persepolis. They pronounce it Persepolis. Yeah, that's how I learned it. Right, and that's how... Should we... Josh, do you want to give the kind of the breakdown yeah. of, of the... This one I don't. Summary. This one I don't think we usually do like a two minute summary, but I think that this one I don't know. This one it's needs one story. Yeah, yeah, it's probably one story. Um, so essentially, this is an autobiography. Marjane Satrapi uh, talks about growing up during the Iranian Revolution. So this is a collection. It's not a collection. It's one graphic novel, but it's kind of told in different vignettes, different stories of her childhood, and so it goes through and it talks about essentially. Uh, when the revolution, the first story starts off with her in the veil. The very first story of it is the veil and about how all of a sudden they had to start wearing them at school. And so it's kind of about that. And the whole book is like a child's perspective, really. It, she goes back and writes it really from like a her point of view from when she was a kid. I think it's from, what is it, 11 to 14 or something like that. This takes place somewhere in there. Uh, or maybe even younger than that. Yeah, I think and she was about six. Yeah, so, so she talks about all this stuff, and in, in the whole book goes through, and each little story gives you another little glimpse of what goes on or what was going on. I want to say, for what we know, you and I, as 30-year-old guys, uh, what we know of Iran is quite different than what she talks about, about right. Iran, right? So mm-hmm. you and I know Axis of Evil Iran. You and I know... George Bush hates Iran, that, yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And this kind of gives you a, a whole different perspective on what the culture and what parts of the community were going through during the revolution. Right. I think this sets it up really nice. That was a good setup for it. And I think that uh, she, to use her own words, at the end of her introduction, she says, um, uh, Mar, uh, Marjan says, um, since then, uh, this old and great civilization has been discussed mostly in connection with fundamental, fundamentalism, fanaticism, and terrorism. As an Iranian who has lived more than half my life in Iran, I know that this image is far from the truth. This is why writing Persepolis was so important to me. I believe that the entire nation should not be judged by the wrongdoings of a few extremists. I also don't want those Iranians who lost their lives in prisons defending freedom, who died in the war against Iraq, who suffered under various repressive regimes, or who were forced to leave their families and flee their homeland to be forgotten. One can forgive, but one should never forget. All right. So she puts in the introduction, like you, you know why she's, yeah. Yeah. which is very clear from the beginning of it. So I guess the, my, the first question I'll throw out there is, what do you think about doing an autobiography in this medium of, of comic? What works, what doesn't work as far as... We've all read Anne Fr- the diary of Anne Frank, right? It's mm-hmm. that diary form. We've read other autobiographies. Uh, I've never read one in a comic book form. I've read, I've read some autobiographies in comic book form, and I've read some uh, like diary comics. So American Elf is like a long-running diary comic where uh, he essentially goes and he does every day of his life and he draws a little comic for and it's a giant collection of stuff and they were pushed online and stuff like that and it really reads like a diary comic comic except long form right so she's telling little stories about what's going on one at a time and i think uh i think it i think the medium works really well for it um just i think also it works well for it because her art style at least this lends to she has a very cartoony 
younger art style, I guess, is kind of the best way. To, you know, it's it's not a it's childlike it's almost. Not, yeah, you it know, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like you know Superman and muscular and everything. I mean, everybody is kind of a very you know like a kid dread. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I think that that type of art lends itself to, to this idea of it being a story of her childhood. Yeah. It fits in really well with the themes that you're seeing. Yeah. There. Just like the, the, the innocence at some points that they're yeah. trying to, uh, to showcase. Well, see, I wondered if, uh, when I was reading this, you know, she said, uh, uh, her favorite comic book was the dialectic materialism. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wondered after I'd finished, um, because it says that um, this is what kind of inspired her anti-authoritarian attitude. <laughs> and so I kind of wondered if maybe uh, that experience led her to thinking, well, maybe a comic format would be a good way to address this. Right. So she, she seemed, yeah, she does, she does mention her first, um, uh, mentioning of Marxism is, was, or first introduction of Marxism was through a comic book. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, uh, and so there is that she, from an early age, learned that the medium can be used to give complex information in a simple form and in an interesting, in an form interesting too. form. They yeah, get your attention. Yeah, so. they get your attention. And when you're and when you're trying to, I mean, she's undertaking a big task to devillainize Iran in a comic book, yeah. um, and it's an important one because I, you know, you've traveled the world, we've traveled the world. Um, you can't people in places are people. You know, you're going to have extremists, you're going to have fundamentalists, but to judge all the people in Iran on this, and so she's coming from this with a very, with a French education, uh, a very, she's very well educated. Yeah. She went to school for art. She obviously has, there's a sophisticated nature. This is a very European story to me, even though it's about Iran. Mm-hmm. She's a very European story, a sense, sensibility, I feel like, to it. Well, we, she, uh, she went to art school in France, like she, um, she kind of that's where she lives now is in France and, and she kind of talks about how uh, I, read, I listened to an interview or read an interview with her and she talks about how if she were to say um, like France is her father but uh, Iran is her mother so like mm-hmm. she feels like um, she will defend her mom against any sort of thing like like you know she loves her dad but she would do anything to you know speak out or protect or kind of like she'll always love her mom no matter what mm-hmm. and so she kind of talked about like that in it she also kind of talked about to to hit on to hit on that point about whether this is the right format for it she says that she first read mouse uh which is art spiegelman's book cuz his father was in Auschwitz, and so it's that story that he puts uh that he goes in graphic novel form she said she read that and she goes oh yeah i can do i yeah we can that's that's a perfect medium for what the story she wanted to tell. Right, yeah. was comic book. That's pretty. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a form that can be really powerful, especially reach a different type of audience. Yeah, I mean, this was a New York Times bestseller, right? Yeah, and this was this won some different awards to it. I believe it's somewhere in the back. New York Times Book Review. I mean, just just the. I mean, the praises alone from Vogue, Time, um, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, uh, everyone just kind of touted this book as yeah. something being really important. Um, and so that's a little bit going into the book. I'd heard about this book, and I knew that it, it had a lot of um, press as far as this is an important book, like Mouse, right? Yeah. You know, um, And so going into it, I was like, all right, let's see what you got. So there is this sense that I went into it feeling that I should be moved, right? And it takes a it, it takes a while it took a while for me to accept the telling of this kind of story within a comic book. 
when I open up a comic book, I'm usually re- it's it's yeah. I, I'm using it to escape to these fans to bend the rules of reality a little bit yeah. and to see as far as the imagination can go. As far as a lot of writers bring in weird things, the last one we talked about was Saga, where there are no yeah. rules applied. No you rules turn out. the page, and you, you anything. Um, so this was really grounded, and it, it took me a longer... To, it's not a long book, but it took me longer to get through it than it, we would my normal traits. What about, what about for you? Yeah, I'd say well, it took a little longer. I think I was reading it in a different way than I would read a regular comic book. I mean, it's, it's longer page length. I mean, it's 150 pages or something like that, so it's a little longer than a normal comic book, than a normal trade we do is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... Each story is like you're digesting a piece of something. So, I mean, you're reading it and you're kind of like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of stuff that, that I didn't know. I mean, even as a, even as a history teacher, I, was, I taught American history, right? So you don't, we don't hit on this very much except for uh, Iran-Contra and, you know, a couple little things here and there about the war between Iraq and uh, Iran and but otherwise, a lot of this stuff, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. So I think, I think it's something that you digest in a different way because it's real mm-hmm. as opposed to something, something that, you, that, that isn't that way. For example, you and I are – on the next podcast, we're talking about Southern Bastards. And you and I both, we both said that we read it in like one sitting. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. not a one sitting book for me. Right. Uh, Mom, you, you, know, you were in Kuwait. You were in this area. Uh, you've been to Persepolis. Um, I can't, I'm saying that correctly, right? Yeah, yeah okay. I keep wanting to call it Persophilus now. Um, what in the as you're reading this, you know, you said you were interested in, when I told you that this book is about the Iranian Revolution. Uh, when you started reading it, did you make those connections right away? Were there things in here that brought back, like, oh yeah, or this was an issue, or maybe you're like, I didn't realize that this was going on at the time when I was there. Like, as far as the historical context and your personal experience, I know that's 45 years ago, but yeah. did you? Did you have a sense that this was the events in this book were on the horizon, or this that this was in the air? The, 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 these, the revolution was in the air. There was animosity towards the Shah. Uh, I really didn't, mm-hmm. because um, when I was there, I mean, it was very brief. You know, it was like maybe two, three days at a time. Right. So you didn't really get a sense of that. I mean, there weren't demonstrations. We weren't looked down upon. Uh, uh, weren't treated badly, you know. It was just, I was in a different country and experiencing the culture there and never felt any fear or any animosity or, or, or anything like that. Right. And, um, of course, we didn't know anybody there to actually sit down and, and talk to him about it either. Right. But, um, because that was, you know, that was nine years later that the, uh, from when the time I was there that the revolution took place. Uh, yeah. took place. But I'm sure there were... Um, you know, rumblings of that, you know, in that society. That doesn't just, you know, being happen. So, uh, although I wasn't exposed to that. Right. I, I, I don't remember talking to anybody or feeling any sense of that when I was there. Right. Because yeah. they, the, this, the original, the guy who became the Shah, his son was the one who kind of let things, the original Shah brought kind of Iran into the modern world, mm-hmm. is what she says. Mm-hmm. And then his son uh, was the one who kind of, you know, dropped the reins on it. He was kind of ousted by a prime minister for a while, uh-huh. and then was then brought back in by the Western mm-hmm. uh, countries. Yeah. So you that you might have been around there when that like that prime minister thing when then that transition was happening. Then uh, he was still there when I was there. Yeah, he was still there. Yeah, yeah, he was. 
Um, you were in Kuwait, you said? Uh-huh. In Kuwait, this is like a part of the book that I found really interesting was this kind of idea between uh, East and West, where you see Marjane kind of struggle with kind of wanting Western ideals, but living in this kind of Middle Eastern area. Did you, when you were in Kuwait, did you see any of the, that sort of East versus West culturally? Like where, you know, was it blue jeans versus whatever? Did you see those kind of things going on around you? Uh, the Kuwaiti women mainly wore, you know, the, the black yeah. covers uh, with the mask. Okay. Um, and they, I, were, I, well, they, they were more fundamentalist. They were fundamentalist yeah. at the time. The Kuwaitis were. Right. right? And because they, they've had a longer not as history. Much as, of... Not as much as Saudi Arabia. I mean, you know, um, because uh, they would allow women to drive there. Like one of the teachers did have a car and she drove there. And in Saudi Arabia, at least at that time, women couldn't no, drive. No, 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 no driving for you. Yeah. Sit up, please. <laughs> and that may still be the case. Um, but, I mean, we were told to dress, you know, we didn't wear shorts. We... Mm-hmm. We kept ourselves, you know, decently covered, but we wore, you know, our American clothes. But I, if I remember right, I do remember every now and then seeing someone thinking, "Whoa, they're not in the, you know, <laughs> the the full black cover and everything." So, um, did you still, did you throw rocks at them at that point? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just when in Rome. Be, <laughs> I'm I was trying to be a good international traveler. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to be an ugly American, yeah. so I just. Tried to behave. I put my head down and I threw the rock at him. <laughs> but I do notice, I know going into the marketplaces and things, you know, or walking down the street, we would be, you know, brushed. But there was a, a guy walking on one side of the street and we were on the other or on the sidewalk. You know, many times that person would end up nearby and, you know, or... yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's because, you know, we weren't all covered in black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, and I remember getting fed up really one time when we were in the market. And it was just too much of a, yeah, yeah, a brush. Yeah. Perving out. I, 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 I kind of <laughs> flipped out a little bit and went after the guy with my red purse. <laughs> <laughs> and ran. <laughs> you can give, you can lose a hand in yeah. Iran. Now, uh, um. I was thinking maybe we could talk a, a kind of because there is there's definitely a, a, a kind of some character arcs in this. Yeah. So maybe kind of look at the um, uh, uh, Satrapi uh, family and kind of like the and, and their their journey at, through this story. Uh, when we first uh, open up with the Satrapis, it, it is we get a sense from the very beginning. Uh, she's very young. Uh, yeah. Marjan is very young, and she is. Confused, she's really trying to to grasp what's going on in the world around her. She's she's like, I was born with religion. This is something that I was born with, not something yeah. I've adopted, you know. And she thought there's this cute uh, vignette where she thinks she's the prophet from an yeah, early yeah. age, I yeah, like that, where yeah. she's just like, ah, uh, you know, and, and everyone's around her. Meanwhile, she's born to these radical parents who are very beatnik in a sense. I get this, you know, like like what you might see, like they're... Well, they're, even, even they're the, socialists. The, yeah, like, they're, yeah, yeah, exactly. The socialist parents. Yeah. Um, I mean, even like their, their, their character design is very like, they're always like smoking cigarettes, <laughs> like turtlenecks and like mustaches. You're like, these are... Um, hidden behind cameras. They're more modern avant-garde. Exactly, people, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, one of the things... So what do you think about... Um, uh, uh, the Satrapi's parents, uh, the parent figures in this, when, we, when they first open up on, on, on it, 
But you kind of see, I think the entire time, her mom, her mom changes very slightly during it, right? Her mom is like a rebel, 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 and then she goes, okay, maybe it's not okay to be that rebellious, right? But she's still, they're still there, and she still wants her daughter. I mean, they sneak posters back from Turkey that was for a great it, scene. right? Yeah. There's, there's this whole like, but they're not demonstrating anymore. Everything that they're doing is instead of it being outward, it's kind of we're gonna we're gonna bend the rules inside our house, right? You know? yeah. So there's yeah. there's Total less shade. Yeah, there's yeah. less outward rebellion. Yeah, I as yeah as you move forward, there's less outward rebellion. But uh, her dad seems kind of like her dad seems like the rebel the whole way through. You know, like her dad kind of seems like the guy who's like. No man, this is this is this is terrible. This this guy's wrong. That guy, you know, the whole way through, you kind of get that feeling from her dad. What what do you think, Travis? Even even to the point where he supports uh, her nonconformity, even when she's being like punished yeah. for it. when she when she hits the teacher, when yeah. she does these things, mm-hmm. he laughs at it. I, at the beginning, I, I felt it was tough for, for me to like his parents at the beginning because I thought it was super irresponsible for what they were doing with the kid at home and they're going to these protests, you know, but at the same time they had this national like pride and, and they're they're trying to make changes for their child, but they're putting themselves at risk. Like one of the first opening scenes, they're waiting for the father to come home from this demonstration and it's later, it's later, it's later. They're hearing all these things and he barely makes it out of their life. Yeah. And, and Marjane, like there's a little piece in there where she's like in bed and she sees like her dad's spirit floating with God, like the image of God. I believe I think that's in that one where mm-hmm. they take it off. And so like in her head while she's in bed, uh, is like her dad and this and God kind of their spirit floating around and she's like doesn't know what's gonna happen to him. Um yeah, there's like page 30. I thought my father was dead. They had shot him as she's waiting, and she's got like her head sitting down, and above her is her like that picture of her right, drawing yeah. of God and her and her picture of dad behind her. Yeah, so I thought that was it was it was they were interesting characters from the standpoint of they believe so firmly in their cause at the you know at the beginning especially that they were putting themselves at risk and therefore putting their daughter at risk you know if if they were to both you know perish at the hands in this revolution their daughter maybe what the grandma for a, a while they had some friends in the in the area but those friends start disappearing as the story goes on too so there's not that support system and as the story goes on as you said i think the mother gets more protective yeah. where it's less about her cause becomes her daughter and her daughter's well-being as opposed to she can't be she realizes she can't be the mother a mother to Iran she has to be a mother to her daughter and that becomes a first priority but at the same time then there's like a scene where she lets her go out with like a Michael Jackson pin on yeah that was yeah. weird jacket and Nike's uh, <laughs> yeah. to kind of go out and about just to go buy tapes right like yeah i that to me is kind of like this sort of underground like Westernism, yeah, I found really interesting through the whole thing. Like, mm. you'd go on the street, and then people would be selling like ABBA tapes and like mispronouncing their yeah. names. I love yeah. that scene. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all these different tapes they're selling, and and she has like what's the poster she gets? Is it in a uh, Megadeth? Mega? No, it's Iron Maiden. Uh, Iron Maiden, yeah, yeah, my Iron Maiden Megadeth poster, and uh, what's the girl? Um, the um, Kim Wilde Kids in America. Yeah, one, yeah. No, but so the yeah, Iron Maiden. They yeah. came as they came as very round they came as very like multi-dimensional characters yeah. the parents did for me they, there was a lot to them and I couldn't quite you couldn't they weren't just the parental figures yeah. in the story they were real characters and you could tell that they were you know that she really tried hard to um, 
show her parents weaknesses and strengths. They weren't yeah. just, oh, these are my parents. This is he's the father figure. This is the mother figure. And it's so easy when I think to to when you put parents into a story to give them that, those roles as opposed to really infuse them with who these people really were. And she has great reverence for her parents. She does, a, she does like a really good job of, of um, telling her story through the revolution, but you also get her parents' story in there too. So you see kind of what her parents go through and what she goes through during that revolution. I think that, that was, instead of it just being an autobiography, it's like the tale of her family, I think, is almost more about yeah. it as they go through the whole thing. Well, what did you think about them taking in a, a nursemaid at, when she was only eight years old. Oh, the the um, the, the parents. The, the nursemaid at eight. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean that is that seems that and then you have you have some kind of old world traditions kind of coming in there too. But again, uh-huh. this is nineteen nineteen seventy mid nineteen seventies. So they they took her in because it's been a while since I heard that part. They took her in because she they, it was almost more like a favor, right? Wasn't it? You're right. Yeah. Get, 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 but you, you know, I wonder. Well, why wouldn't you just take her in and raise her as a child rather than make her the nursemaid? That's true. That's and then true. also the dad at one point, uh, you know, when when this girl became sixteen and she fell in love with the guy next door, and then he wouldn't uh, continue the relationship because he His found out system. she was a yeah. maid. And her dad's uh, told her um, uh, the maid's love is impossible as she must stay in her own social class. Right. So they, um, they, which, there they is had a, There's that. a level of class. Which is, yeah. which is kind of surprising because like, both of the characters, her father is like a socialist in here, right? Her, mm-hmm. her uh-huh. uncle's a Marxist. Yeah. And so it's kind of like he told her – it's like the father told that boy that because he knew – like, I'm going to tell you now because I know the world around me. Once you find out, if you're with her and you find out that she's just a maid, you're going to break up with her. She's not going to be what you thought she was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to – because he's a Marxist, but he knows the world he lives in. And he knows that that, that boy would have gone – was going to go, oh, never mind. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, I get your point that even yeah. from our standards today, even some of the things that the uh, uh, Satrapi's – were practicing and their their beliefs were still would be fundamentalist to us today you know mm-hmm. like bringing in an eight-year-old child and not raising them as a child raising them as help for your child yeah, yeah. um but uh I, I thought she i didn't like that 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 made i thought she was coming <laughs> on too strong to that kid <laughs> and i frankly I, did, I think she got what she deserved you, you know well, hey. don't step outside your class that's all i'm saying <laughs> there's they're there for a reason if right, we guys? were all the same class we'd be, this would be was this communist china come on now <laughs> even communist china has different yeah. classes um so let's travis what was your what was your favorite uh well you we're doing character arc so what did you think was the big change for um Marjan as or Marjane as we go through this well, how do you see her character change? Well, let's see. Or so do she, we see her character change? Well, uh, well, that's like I asked a good question. I think I think you I think she's from early in the story. She infuses herself with this sense of um, this kind of rebel, right? Yeah. There's a, there's a there's a there's a fire always burning inside her, and she is just. As she learns something new, she gets very absorbed in the things she learns. Mm-hmm. So whatever the newest flavor of the week is, she, that's she's very much a part of it. So when she learns a new idea, she 
runs with it. Remember when they talk about the torture? Yeah. And then the next day, she's they're chasing the kid like, down the like street. That's how they like, play. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. how they play because she, I think she has a, a a a vivid imagination, as you can see where all her you can yeah. see it coming out of her head in the art, and she gets very absorbed and obsessed about ideas. And I don't think that changes throughout the story. I think I don't think it changes throughout her life. I'd be interested to read part two um, when she's a teenager and in that, especially in that real nonconformist area of life, if if she still has that sense of rebelness and if that's a kind of running theme throughout her life. I, I think that she just because it is it is weird. At the end of the story, is there a huge arc? It's almost like we're waiting for part two. It almost yeah. it's almost like it stops. And I think her arc is. If there is an arc, it's just a better understanding of where her parents were coming from. Yeah, I would say that. And I would also say that, like... If it's, that's even an arc? I think it's I less know. about her change. And I think it's more about, like, what's changing around her. I think the story... Although we call, although it's, like, dubbed an autobiography, it's less about her and her changing or her growing and more about all the stuff that's going on around her. Because I think you're right. I think she does stay that rebel the whole time. Yeah, more time. a memoir than an autobiography, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what about when uh, her friend was killed, though? With the when this yeah um, when this gun missile hit that, that was neighborhood a turning point, yeah. And it wasn't it after that, and the next chapter was about the cigarette, right? And, and yeah, she, and she one... said, "I'm not a kid anymore," or something right? Like yeah, that. she goes down the basement. So maybe that you know, even though maybe she didn't change so much as being a rebel, but maybe that just made her realize how uh, how horrible it is, and how you know people her age were. You know, dying, right. and uh, just made it hit home even more. Well, and maybe that was a sign too. You know, just that um, you know having to see that would certainly change you some. Oh, right, I would that think. whole thing with the bracelet, and yeah. she, she yeah. sees the bracelet, and she doesn't know what's attached yeah. to. Oh, um, but you're right. She certainly recognizes that as a turning point in her life because mm-hmm. she marks it with. She makes that, that clear distinction of going down to the basement and having that cigarette. And even the way it's drawn, with yeah. all blackness around her, and then really yeah. kind of seeing her for the first time. Um, that was, yeah, you know, that that's definitely a turning point. And you could say that that's in their, the, the arc of her character. That's that's a major, she changes after that some. I, go ahead. I found a quote from her, from an interview she did, and it was talking about someone was asking her, like, um, you're a rebel, right? Because we see that in this comic book. Are you still rebellious? You know, why? Uh, and she said she doesn't think that she's a rebel. She just doesn't, she doesn't understand why she has to listen to people who are wrong. Right. Oh, so she yeah. says, I'm not a rebel, but why? Yeah. it was something about why should I listen to people wrong? And this is the quote. She says, the majority is always wrong. I mean, if the majority was right, then we would live in a better world. But the world is not good, which means that the majority is always, always wrong. So like this mm-hmm. sort of like and she has a real kind of like um, this a- attitude that shines through here of whether it's, you know, uh, the Shah was wrong. So she's talking, like, she starts off, her and her friends are playing, like, uh, radicals. So she's Che Guevara, and then, right. you know, one of her friends is Trotsky, and they're, they're playing a game. And then later on, they're making fun of, you know, the the guys who flagellate themselves. So there's a scene in there where she's in kindergarten, or she's in grade school, and they're pretending to be, like... Uh, to flagellate themselves and she's like rolling on the ground and she just goes what are you doing she's like I'm suffering can't you tell that I'm suffering and so 
there's this entire time where no matter what it is, she's bucking the system a little bit, you know, whether it's the Shah or whether it's, you know, the, the idea of like religiously punishing yourself or later on the dress of like, you know what, I'm just going to go out in my Nikes and my jean jacket right. and mm-hmm. say whatever, you know. In that interview, did she say anything about her opinion about the current state in Iran? She did. She talks about how um, she, like, continually a couple of interviews I read, she always goes, um, you can't judge Iran by the last 40 years, right? You Mm -hmm. can't go and say, you know, this place has been like this for that long. She's like, there's so much history in it. She says, you know, she, she doesn't like it. She always talks about how she thinks that there's probably more people in Iran who are... Uh, there's a lot of pro-Western people in Iran. It's just the government isn't controlled by pro-Western people. Mm-hmm. And I think the time from the article was around 2007 or something like that, when, mm-hmm. when, the, when another book of hers, when I think the complete Persepolis came out. And she was talking about how, well, look at here. George W. Bush doesn't represent everybody who's in your country, so why should you think that you know, the, um, the imam in, in, you know, in Iran yeah. Represents everybody, right? And you do, we do get that that censorship seems to be a, a theme throughout here too. In the in the media, it's talked about several times uh, with the father, you know, always being concerned about getting his news from the BBC yeah. as opposed yeah. to the local things and needing that justification. Or when they go to um, was it France on vacation, or and they are looking at the news and they see this black cloud over yeah. Iran um, and the sense that. Um, that, that you know, she talks about the, the majority in that in that quote, and I think that that is something that she she bucks against all the time because what is this majority and like is this is this majority a real majority or is this a created majority? Yeah. Like where who believes this? Because one of the things that we see here is um, how quickly people will change their ideals for safety. Yeah, how her neighbors around her will will turncoat. At, mm-hmm. For their own safety. Yeah, her mom comments. Spies, her yeah. mom comments about a neighbor. Like, just a month ago, she was wearing you know mm-hmm. short skirts and blah blah blah, and now she's you know full on black. You know, right? Yeah, and so it's like, are, are these really what the Iranians believe, or is it what they they are, you know, conditioned to believe out of fear? You know, so is that real belief? Can you can you judge Iran on? Uh, a few who are holding the majority with fear, you know, or pushing the majority with fear. And, and it's interesting. Um, I don't know if I would get along with, with her very well, honestly. I don't know if I like <laughs> the author through this book. Um, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I think this is a powerful piece. I, I think it's written well. I really enjoyed it. But I think this is a type of person who is very intense and has to find meaning in every – just – I don't know. There's. I feel like it would be. <sighs> I feel like I'd. I'd want to have a conversation. I think I'd want to have a conversation, conversation with her for yeah. sure. Yeah, because be I, interesting. I yeah, think so. Be, yeah. I, th- I think she'd be an interesting person to listen to. Uh, I don't about, think she would like me. <laughs> well, does anybody really like me? Right? <laughs> I would be like, I'm like, sorry, I don't. I don't know enough about Marxism. <laughs> uh, there's like. A, there's like a picture on uh, 75, and this kind of goes along with what we were talking about about the dress and stuff like that. And it kind of talks about. Uh, it says. The top two panels are kind of like the fundamentalist woman versus the modern woman, the fundamentalist man versus the progressive man. I just thought it was like kind of a, a cool little like she does this a lot in the book where she gives you like a little glimpse of mm-hmm. what's going on. 
Like, it doesn't necessarily have to do a whole lot with the story, but she goes, here's just something you know, right? Here, here's, here's something you should know. This is what they look like. like. And no time the way people dressed became an ideological sign. There were two kinds of women. Uh, you showed your opposition to the regime by letting a few strands of hair show. Right. Right. Uh-huh. And then for the men, Islam is more like, so she talks about the fundamentalist, fundamentalist man had a, a beard and his shirt untucked. But the progressive man was shaved with or without a mustache and his shirt was tucked in. So those are the sorts of oh, things that, like, to me, I'm like, was a tucked in shirt? Like for us in America, it's like the untucked. it's like the untucked shirt. Uh-huh. You're a rebel if you yeah. untuck your shirt. Right. And, and so I thought those things were, those were those kind of things where you, you wouldn't catch it if you didn't know, cause it's not part of our culture. Yeah. They're almost like fun facts laid out about yeah. the culture that were really interesting. Easter eggs. Like yeah. when they talk about the, um, the beating of the chest yeah. at school mm-hmm. when people died, uh, in the war and how they, how they had to sit there and beat their chest. And some people took it more seriously and were like, would cut the flagellate themselves, yeah, or, or they cut use themselves. a knife and cut their head, and, and you're like, "Wow, yeah. this, those were interesting cultural facts yeah. that she peppered in really well." And there were always like really cool visuals with those. As I sit here with a beard and an untucked yeah, shirt, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's just that sort of thing where it was like, yeah. "Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that," and I found myself doing that a lot as I went through the book. I mean, my my knowledge of. Uh, Iranian history is pretty limited. But the, you know? at the same time, I found myself, um, as as these new facts went unfold, like, oh, I didn't know that. I found myself being, well, can I, how long was that going on for? Where does, where does this come from? Is this, is this ingrained in their culture, or was this for a period of time? Was this brought in, you know, so I'm wary of going into a conversation and you know, next conversation, I'm loaded with information about Iran right yeah. now, and be yeah. like, "Did you know that in Iran, you know, when people die in war, they'll they'll sit and flagellate each other? You know, like the, like how dated is this information? Yeah. Is this Iran is constantly going through different regimes? It's I don't know. It's is that was what I felt was she was born at it really at that transitional time in Iran." And so I think that this this having the memoir, I think it is more of a memoir, as you said, than an autobiography. Mm-hmm. It has that sense where it's about the period of time going around it, is is a great entry point into learning about Iran. Um, well, Mom, I was you curious read that, about you read that book of Beirut to Jerusalem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big, thick book, and it kind of takes you through the whole history of mm-hmm. of, of that conflict. Whereas I think that if if I was if I was teaching history, or if if Iran was in the news and people don't know about it, this would be something I would give them and, and would say, you know, here's a great place to start to get yeah, a sense of the culture. She gives kind of some back history yeah. at the beginning about you know the um, the Aryans and. Um, uh, the history there. So this is a really, cause I, I was a blank slate. Really. Yeah. Well, I thought, I thought it was a really good way to, um, it's a really good way to go. Oh, so it's cause you and I growing up how we did and growing up, like you and I are when nine 11 happened, we're just in adulthood, right? right? Like, so we're just there. And so for us, that was kind of like our first, real look at the sort of the Middle East being shown to us in a certain Mm -hmm. way. Right. And so George W. Bush talking about the axis of evil and all that stuff. That's the glimpse we get. And I think this book goes to show you like 
No, there were a bunch of people who, when this revolution happened and all throughout the revolution, there are a lot of people who don't feel that way. There are a lot of people who would go, yeah, I don't support, you know, this or that. And, and without this, I mean, I know that any, you know, mm-hmm. right. We, we know that, but like, yeah, to show them in a highly educated, not only that they are, they highly educated, they're very family oriented. They are, they love their pop culture oriented yeah there's there's no difference as far as the urges their instincts because they're they've been like these uh arabs you know they're so demonized that over the last 15 years that they have become in a lot of circles less than human or less certainly less than american or certainly lower than a western culture um and it's just a different it's just a different culture yeah well, I had read somewhere or heard on a news report that, and I can't remember how long ago this was, maybe a couple of years ago, that uh, the unemployment rate in Iran is 40%. Well, then there's got to be a lot of poor people. And if, if you're poor, well, what do you latch on to? Well, a nationalistic feeling, yeah. whoever provides that, or a religious belief. And then in Iran, it's the, the Shia and the Sunni Mm-hmm. That I mean, they've been at battle for thousands of years. Right. I mean, when you read that book, you know, by Tom Friedman, yeah. uh, Beirut to Jerusalem. I mean, that's you, you, that you get way a sense of why this is gonna is not gonna be untangled anytime soon. Right. That's why I'd be curious if anybody had asked her during the interview about, uh, well, well, what do you think a solution would be? I mean, it's I mean, it can't be that simple, but yeah. You know, it would be interesting to see what she, what she thinks, about that. or even more what the solution is. What she thinks that the, is at the root of it. You know, yeah. like what is, is it just history? It's just so much history of of fighting and um, uh, re- religious idealism that we can't untwist the Unravel knot. Like yeah, this, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. or not. So, what, what what did you, what did you? Um, what, is there anything you didn't enjoy about this book as reading it when you're when you're kind of reading it? I mean, you you read you're uh, you're a voracious reader. You read voracious. voracious you're like always yeah. reading a book. So you 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 read a lot of stuff. Um, what what as you're reading this, were you, were you like, oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't like the ending because I wanted to know <laughs> if her parents would ever visit her, if she would stay in France, if she'd go back, and what happened. Right. So I got online <laughs> and I found out about Persepolis too. Right. And it you know kind of yeah. told you know what what that was, but I, I kind of would like to read that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I at the end too that last image like he's holding his mother in his arm like was there a bomb that went off? And for first I was like there's something no, happening. She's, she's just the last. She's, she's just, just so she's sad. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, so I, but I like look at it twice. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, th- I thought it was like a. Per- I think it's a perfect ending to this story, right? Because it's her time in Iran during this, and then her time ends. It ends. That's true. And so That's the book true. ends with her leaving. So her time in this tumultuous kind of like period of Iranian history is over. Would you have been okay if you you going into this you knew there was a Persepolis too. Yeah. So you know like, oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to tag back to this. If this was standalone and you and you got to that page and you know, and you got and you're like, um, oh, she's gone. Like what yeah, happens? Are they still alive? Was, oh they, yeah. You know? There's still there's still that question. There's yeah, still yeah. that kind of like little question, but I thought it was I thought it was a good way to end it. I like that there's no, even though I know there's a two, I like that there's no like epilogue, you know, right. like, there's no like, 
you know, like the scene. She eventually the end of the movie. went back yeah, to Iran and, you know, to visit her parents, and you know, there's mm. there's none of that in there, and I thought that was I thought that was kind of a, a good way to end it. So what 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 about you, Josh? Is there anything that that you um, you know, I think we've all it seems like we all kind of like it. I don't think anyone's raving about it. I don't I don't no one here is you know we've been on this. Uh, we've done this podcast a couple of times where we're like, you've got to read this. This <laughs> I, is the best thing since sliced bread. I thought it was really good um, in what it is, right? It For its purpose and for what it is, I thought it was really good. I think it's done really well. I think um, I this I like this kind of art. I like kind of a stripped down, kind of bare bones, kind of let's, you know, what what can I show you? I only need to show you what I need to show you, right? I don't need... A bunch of buildings in the background. I don't need a lot of stuff to to put to put my message across. So I kind of liked it, and it reminded me of a lot of like uh, it's it really has that indie comic feel, the the mm-hmm. art form to it, the way it works, and well, I News, enjoy that kind of Newsweek, stuff. Newsweek it apparently ranked this book uh, fifth on its list of the ten best fiction books of the decade, but it said fiction books, and it's not a fiction book. That was on that was online, huh? Hmm. So they. They they mis, were mistaken about it being <laughs> fiction because it really isn't. Not according to what. Yeah, what yeah. Says. Even the reviews yeah. in the back, like Cedric Cisneros' yeah. review, is so, as true as only true stories can be. So that would be. I thought it was but anyway. A, others evidently really value the. I think if for like I, for what it is, I think it it does a really good job of opening it up. And um, you had mentioned before, Travis, about using it in the classroom. You'd said something to your mom about using it in the classroom, or if that's what you can kind of see it useful for. If I, I think, um, if I were teaching world history, or if I were teaching, uh, that's probably where I would use it because you don't, we don't really get to this right. period of time in American history. Mm-hmm. But I've used mouse in class before. I've used, um, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, there's one on Hiroshima. Um, that I use that's a really good one it's about a it's about a young boy during the explosion stuff like that uh, and it's one that I would use I probably wouldn't I wouldn't probably have time to read the whole thing but I would definitely use pieces of it to kind of show more than one side because I think that's what that's what real history should be about is kind of showing you this is the side you know here's what it is and I think that that Marjane does a really good job of flipping the coin over to show you what else is happening in Iran during this time, right? She, she starts off talking about how you can kind of see that the revolution wasn't about religion at first. Mm-hmm. And then once the Shah's kicked out, then they start calling it the Islamic revolution, right? Because right. her parents were revolutionaries, yeah, yeah. but they weren't revolutionaries for, you know, for a religious state, right. you know? Uh, but I thought that was kind of an interesting, it, I thought it does a good job of that. And I, I would use it in a classroom setting. Right. Yeah. So, would you would you use it in an English class? Do you think it worked? I well? think for a memoir, like yeah. a, a, just I wouldn't do the whole thing. I would probably take one vignette and just talk about how you know you know your things in your things that happen in your past can be reflected upon now currently to envelop a bigger theme or a bigger idea. So things that seemed routine in the past, you know, when when delved back into can represent larger ideas and can be in you can sew a thread of a story through just about any event if you if you place meaning on that event yeah um so yeah i mean i, I would i would take like a, a vignette and, and, and teach it that way i probably wouldn't teach i wouldn't maybe give this as a reading for it's it's i think in order for it to be 
you have to have a lot of time to talk about the it. cultural context. Yeah. We we talk about text complexity when we're looking at the um, qual, uh, qualitative and uh, quantitative um, ideas of text complexity. Yeah. The cultural aspect of this book would be tough for teenagers to get into unless you spent like a, a week front loading about the Iranian uh, culture. Yeah. And, and then I'd have to, and then I'd have to study because I would have to front load. <laughs> um, I just this I well as I was looking up for stuff actually it wasn't even looking up for stuff for this it just came across uh, it was on a news article from a comic book website I go to talking about how a girl and her parents are asking for this book to be banned at the college she goes to really yeah she's it's it's in one of her college classes it's a class on graphic novels in uh, English it's like a two fifty five so it's a two hundred level class and she's asking that this book be banned it's this book and and three others and. She's like, I just didn't expect to find... She, like, expected to read Batman, but not this type of violence and stuff. And I, I read this, and I... Mm. Did you see anything that you were like, that book should be banned? I, like, unless I you're... worse than Batman. Right? Yeah. Um, unless you're, like, you know, you're the, you're the imam in Iran. Maybe you're like... Well, the F <laughs> word showed up once, which is <laughs> right? a lot less than a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, and the, it was all... It wasn't... Nothing, nothing was gratuitous about the violence. Um... No, yeah, that yeah. You know, like there's like he, at the end when he you know cut him into pieces, you know, like, like yeah. you're looking at this thing. This is, I mean, there's not even blood. It's, it looks like an action figure who's yeah. taken apart. Yeah. You know? um, and the page before that is probably the most graphic part, and it's the dude peeing on his back. So you see a penis. Right. <laughs> in that. oh, that's, that's right. Indeed. That's about it. But I didn't think I was like, who who would say that they want this book banned? It was like a real weird. There's always gonna yeah. be someone, yeah. man. There's always gonna be someone who's gonna get offended by it. Um, who was the artist? And she did. She wrote. She did, yeah, she did both she of them. The yeah, yeah, she was the artist. Yeah, she's done. Yeah, she's done a couple. She's she's done this one and the second one, and she's got a book uh, called Chicken with Plum, and she's got a handful of graphic novels that she's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, over the last few years, she's even did a couple kids books. I think where she's done. You know, there's like a fairy tale book she did and stuff like that. But um, she did this. She talked about how an uh, interview I read talked about how she loved to draw and she loved to write. And so being able to do them together, she said she had a really hard time. She said she'd have a really hard time telling the story in prose because Mm. there's like a, she said there's something about comics where you can, uh, even though part of this had to be translated, she could, because she wrote it in French. uh, It's a lot more universal with pictures Mm -hmm. than it is if she were, she said it would, she said it was hard. It would be hard for me to come up with all the words to describe how I saw it or how I envisioned it. I think that's really true because she she shows a lot of stuff how a kid sees it. And Travis, you talked about that one panel where he's cut up into pieces. And I think that that's like a perfect – that little section is a perfect display of like how a child would Would view that. that. You know, Mm -hmm. how a child would view that idea um, of someone being chopped up. And, uh, you know, it does. It looked like an action figure being, being chopped into pieces. Um, which leads me to Travis. That was my that was my favorite panel. Oh, was it? Yeah, that was yeah. that was my favorite panel because I think it really speaks to the idea that this is the, this is a story of a child, and so that's how she's viewing. Like that's how it that is when yeah when you when you talk, it, when you talk right? about someone being like uh, when someone someone's being drawn and quartered when someone yeah. first explains that to you you're like okay so this pops off like everything yeah kind of well on the neatly. page before they burned him with an iron and it's right. literally an iron not like yeah. uh, a branding iron but yeah, literally like, like I'm ironing iron. my clothes iron and so I thought that was kind of a, an interesting thing um, and she says I never imagined that you could use that appliance for torture and she's <laughs> yeah. walking by it in, yeah. in, yeah. Her, in her house. 
Yeah, we every every um, when we pick a, a favorite panel, so a panel could be like a big page or one mm-hmm. of these things. So mm-hmm. uh, that was Josh's. So you can, I know we, I, I didn't give this homework assignment to yeah. you before. So as you're flipping through it, if you see one that you really liked, what was yours, Josh? Um, I I really was I was looking for one with Anoush because I my favorite part of the story is with is when uh, Anoush is there uh, and he's telling him um, his he, he's telling uh, her his story of rebellion yeah. and how it's kind of it's always kind of it's it's like a trademark of the family almost yeah. you know it's it's something to be proud of and something to carry on know the history of it but I didn't find what I but I really liked is the beginning I love the depiction of God yeah. in this I story too, yeah. I it's very it's like Shel Silverstein friend. you know yeah, yeah exactly and so I picked on page eight um, the second panel in it's when you know she's worried about taking on you know becoming this this prophet and and everything like that and, and God takes her. Uh, in his hands, and he says, "Yes, you are celestial light. You are my choice, my last, my best choice." Right? I I think when kids' uh, idea of religion it gets mixed in with ego, yeah, and it becomes like you know you are the center of your own world, and you know I I I, I thought that was a very touching moment uh, between God and her. And uh, yeah. her vision of it. So, I just uh, thought it was funny. Yeah. The next page at the bottom, she says, I wanted to be love and wrath. I wanted to be justice, love, and wrath of God all at once. Yeah, that's like, a great panel, too. <laughs> it's yeah. a real, like, childlike sort of idea of religion and how all that works. I really thought it was kind of a cool way to explain her thoughts on it as a kid. Well, one <laughs> that sort of, I don't know, the humor of it, I guess, in, uh, in light with also a death. That was on page 34. Uh, after the demonstration, that then there was another cadaver and an old man carried out on a stretcher. Those who didn't follow the first one went over to the old man, shouting revolutionary slogans and calling him a hero. And the crowd says, here's another martyr. Well, I was taking my photos when I noticed an old woman next to me. I understood that she was a widow of the victim. I had seen her leave the hospital with the body. Please stop it, stop it. What is it, what is it? Stop it. Who are you? His widow. Are you a, a, a royalist? No, but my husband died of cancer. So they, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was yeah, just, they're like bringing him out. Was, here is, and all this sorrow, and yet 31. she's clarifying that yeah. you know, he's not the heroic martyr. He <laughs> he's died not of cancer. cancer. Yeah, well, it just struck me as. And I think it was know. funny, like then, like the, the okay widow too. joins them. Yeah, he's okay too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But then on the next page, it's like, uh, no problem, he's a hero. And so, yeah. <laughs> like, she's, like, with them when it all, like, as it happens and it goes on. Uh, what was your favorite st- – hey, this is broken up into a bunch of different stories. Did you have a favorite story, Travis, out of this? Oh, you know, I didn't go back and, and I kind of read it as one big uh-huh. story. Uh, I didn't read it at the end of the vignette, so I don't – I wouldn't even know which ones they were uh, which ones called. I do, like, I do like the um, – when she goes, the, the poster, when they go yeah. and they get the poster, and that's really like the pop culture of it, and they're, you know, they're trying to sell the records to her, the mispronouncing the names. That was kind of fun to see, um, especially if you go to any countries, you see, like, those, uh, the people who are peddling this, like, the secondhand, like, Korean goods, and they're always, you know, like, they're mispronouncing the words or things yeah. are misspelled and uh, like that. I just like that it's, like, they, like, they wanted their daughter to have this stuff so much, even though it's contraband, like... Her mom sewed it into her dad's jacket. Like right. that's yeah, how much yeah. they wanted to bring her this poster of Kim. And he's like, "Are you okay? Like I'm walking." You're... <laughs> he's like, "Do I look all right?" 
I'd say I'd say my favorite one was the one about the heroes. That seemed like the most historical one, and maybe because my own viewpoint, that's the one where that panel is where he's cut up into little pieces. Um, I just thought it was an interesting take to see, like after the revolution, the prisoner, the political prisoners were let go, um, and like there's a scene between her and her uh, friend, or like her family's friend's daughter. Um, and it's like, it's a good thing they didn't kill your father in prison, but you have to admit, I wasn't completely wrong when I said he wasn't on a trip, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. he was, you know, he wasn't in prison. And so like the girl's like, but my, but maybe, but my father is a hero. All torturers should be massacred. Like these are things like it brings out that real childhood aspect that I think this book does so well is gives you a real, like a child's perspective. Actually. She really went back and wrote it like a kid would have written and seen this sort of stuff so i thought she did a really good job at that yeah well that has uh i think that wraps up for this uh week's uh comic exposure uh right. thank you mom for coming on and uh reading along with us and reading i liked your it first i really liked book the book yes and thanks. doing your first podcast <laughs> Ooh. So uh, so many cross them off yeah. the list. Yeah, so exactly. many things you can cross off the list. Uh, so what we read today was Persepolis. Uh, thanks for tuning into the Comic Exposure Podcast. Remember, you can find us a bunch of places, www.comicexposure.com. On the Twitter, at Twitter, at Comic Exposure, you can find us. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. Follow us in one of those places. I tweet my heart out about a bunch of stuff, so you should you should follow along if you like comic books and want to find out what we're, what we're reading and what we're doing. Uh, next week... Uh, it's back to back trades. We're doing back to back trades because we did so many untrade episodes. We're going to do a trade next week too. Uh, we're going to do Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour, uh, and we're doing Volume One. Here was a man. Our guest is going to be Jeremy Olam, uh, Father of the Year. He won Father of the Year. Jeremy Olam did, which is funny that we're going to Father of the Year like TV news Father of the Year. Oh, from how like do, how some news channel. Two, how do you get? I don't know. They, like Channel Five or something brought him a thousand dollar check and said, "Wow, your Father of the Year." And we're going to read a book called Southern Bastards with right. Father of the Year. Yeah. So uh, that's is, yeah, yeah. That's next week on the podcast. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next trade.